Yo, and welcome to episode number nine of TLDR Podcast. Holy shit, we're almost to 10 fucking episodes already. I've already noticed a trend following every football post that James throws out there. These fucking kids get so high strung about my picks. They rattled with me, rattled with Alex. Some kids said Alex has the IQ of a squirrel. Alex, what do you have to fucking say about these middle school kids sitting on their couch? Dude, I can't, I can't deal with these fucking middle school kids anymore. My <laughs> responses are going to become more and more inappropriate. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Your last yeah, one was, was a good one, dude. It was a good last response. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that was James. You just heard over there, James. Uh, are you going to fucking calm these kids down? Like, every time you post something, it's like me saying some crazy shit that people freak out. No, it's, it's you know, it's good media, man. It's, um, yeah. You rile people up. People come to the podcast. They listen a little bit to see how much of a dumbass you are. And it's, it's all good things. <laughs> and uh, the hockey playoffs are flourishing. Traden is erect over there in the top right corner. <laughs> Yes, sir. I mean, it would have been better if uh, my team is in it, but my heart still, you know, loves the game. So it doesn't really matter. If there's hockey on, I'll be there. Yep. And uh, Tyler uh, doesn't know how to listen or pay attention, as we could see. But uh, <laughs> it looks like I owe him a pitcher of beer, and James owes him and Alex money. I, I sent it. I lost my 25 bucks. Again. swing on three goddamn strikes in a fucking row. You never see that happen, Tyler. What the fuck, man? Yeah, James, losing $125 total in bets over the weekend. That's brutal. I mean, for me, it was, for me, it was an easy one. $50 in the series. I mean, Alex, you, the only way you're going to beat me on the money is if the Dodgers swept, which they did. So I think you – Yeah, boy. You had the best bet of the weekend. Yeah, 75 easy dollars from James there. Yeah. Easy money. Yeah, Eric. Well, Eric, guys. I, yeah, go ahead. What's up? No, no, you tell me. No, I was, I, I, I was really wanting to do that whole home run bet because it would have made it more interesting versus just who won. Because I was, that would have been a better bet because I, I don't, I don't, I was gonna look up the final numbers of that series, but that would have been a much yeah. closer bet for you guys. I, I, I gave you a reach out to be like, hey, the Dodgers are probably gonna win the series, but here's another bet: the Angels might hit more home runs in the series, but you didn't take it, so that's, that's your bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much more uh, time and attention I could pay pay for those guys this year. They're pissing me <laughs> off. Uh, so today, Alex is going to talk to you guys about how the basketball playoffs are starting up. Um, baseball is still fucked because another team has tested positive, and uh, Tyler is going to give you some of more of his oh damn moments. And uh, Traden, of course, is going to get into those hockey playoffs. Um, football training is in. Training camps are in full effect now, too, and James is going to keep going over his AFC East predictions this week, guys. Stay tuned. We got a lot coming for you when we return. Welcome back, guys. James is going to start it off this week with the NFL AFC East division. Let's hear what we need to know, James. All right, guys. Three divisions left after this. We're almost there. Um, today, we're going to start with the Miami Dolphins. In 2019, they were 5-11. and 11. They, had the worst, they had the worst negative point differential in the league at negative 188 points. 
They also started 0-7. Uh, their head coach is Brian Flores, and that was his first year as a head coach. Their offense ranked number 25, and their defense ranked t- number 32. Uh, their weakness going into the offseason is that was pretty much everything, except in, especially their O-line. They literally had the worst time to pressure allowed in the entire league. Um, going to f- into free agency, they lost Aqib Tlaib. He didn't play a snap for them, but he was still a damn good player for, you know, in years past. And they also lost Rashad Jones. In the draft, they had a lot of draft picks. They had six picks in the first 70 picks of the draft. With a fifth pick, they picked up to attack Gavailoa, or Tonga Vailoa, out of Alabama. He slid pretty far. He was almost number one overall, but that hip injury, um, it cost him a couple of draft spots. All reports right now say he's doing really, really well. In college, he had 87 touchdowns with 11 interceptions. Crazy numbers there. They also picked up Austin Jackson in the first and Noah Igimbohini, a cornerback, in the first as well. Going into free agency, they spent a lot of money on their defense and their O-line. They picked up Byron Jones from the Cowboys for five years, $82 million, Kyle Van Noor from the Patriots, Shaq Lawson from the Bills, Emmanuel Ogba from the Chiefs, Trey Flowers, Eric Caracas from the Patriots, Jordan Howard from the Eagles, and Matt Breeder from the Niners. So my prediction is that they go 6-10 and 10 this year. So a little bit better, but not that much better. I think they honestly stumbled and lucked into winning a couple of games last year, and their record should have been so much worse than it actually was. So I want to make it clear that my projection of 6-10 and 10 doesn't mean the Dolphins did not get much better this offseason because they did. They got really, really good, much better than they were last year. Um, they have some decent pieces on offense and defense that they can build around. The front office worked wonders this offseason and put together a respectable defense and a really good D-line. Are they good enough to be a top 20 D? No, but they're going to be much better than dead last. If Tua is healthy, he's going to win that starting job over Fitzmagic, and he's going to be so much fun to watch. The Dolphins O-line has some new pieces that will go a long way in helping Tua's development. And if everything goes well, I think Tua's going to be in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, I do think that they got a little bit better. Um, but I have them I have them at the same record as you, James, 6-10. and 10. Um, I do agree that they're going to be just a tick better than last season, but it's not going to be much. I mean, that this team still has a long way to go. I'm really interested to see how Tua performs in the NFL. I think for me, that's the key guy for them to see how he performs and his development with that team is going to be huge for them. Eric, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I got another agreement with you and Tyler, and uh, who knows, we're finally all agreeing, but I got him at 6-10. and 10. The Tua era begins. Uh, he did have that gnarly, unfortunate injury. Fuck Nick Saban. Uh, it wasn't Nick Saban's fault, but fuck Nick Saban. Um, but when he is healthy, he's solid. Uh, it's going to be highly anticipated to see him play. Um, I think this year will be kind of a rebuilding year. Uh, and maybe even Fitzmagic can teach some tips and tricks to Tua, uh, build him up, and you know build a system around Tua. And if they do that, they're uh, on a good path for success. But I got them 6-10. and 10. And finally, Alex, what do you think? Uh, so I'm going to go seven and nine. I got them just a little bit higher. Um, I don't think Tua starts right away. I think they give him a little bit of time, um, especially because that was a pretty gruesome injury, that hip injury he came off. That's not something that you come back from 100% right away. Um, so I think, you know, you got to get Fitzmagic, a, I'd say, maybe to like their bye week and then give Tua some time to kind of work himself in. And then I think Tua takes over, um, you know, like Trade had mentioned, Brady's not in the division. It's a little bit weaker. So I got him seven and nine. Um, I think the Dolphins, uh, this is a year that they're looking to just build on 
And then in the next couple of years, they're going to be a force in that AFC East for sure. I agree with that. They have some good pieces there. Um, in the fantasy here, there's honestly just one person I would pick from this team for fantasy, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, we're going to start with Tua. He's a quarterback. He's only like quarterback number 24. His average, or I mean, he's projected for 192 points. Would anybody, would anybody here draft him, realistically speaking? No? No, I'm, I'm not, no. not going to draft him until I pick him up if he, if once they give him the starting job. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, going to the running backs, you have Jordan Howard going at 109. And you have Matt Breida going at 125. This is another committee situation where I, I don't know how this offense is going to work, to be honest. I, I'm going to stay away from the running backs in, uh, in Miami. Eric, would you stay away from these or would you pick one? I almost picked up Howard last year. He was on the Eagles, correct? I almost picked him yes. up last year uh, in fantasy because I was just straight struggling. But he'd be a guy, he'd be, a, again, a guy I'd probably pick up later on. Uh, if I am struggling, which I won't be this year in fantasy football. so yeah. <laughs> Good luck to you, man. And last, we're going to touch on this one guy that I really, really like. I'd pick from the Dolphins for sure. It's Devontae Parker, wide receiver. He's going at 79, wide receiver 28. He's projected for 204 points. He had, last year, he had 10 top 25 weeks after week number three. He's a wide receiver one right now for a team that has no one else to take targets from him. Right now, he's being drafted too low, in my opinion. He's being drafted right next to A.J. Green. And I think it should be drafted earlier, like mid-50s, wide receiver 19, along with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So, Tyler, would you rather have Devontae Parker or Cooper Cup or Robert Woods? I want to go with Cooper Cup or Robert Woods just because I trust the quarterback behind those guys more. Um, I think the Dolphins, you know, just the quarterback play, I'm just not so sure on. But I do think that uh, he has a higher ceiling in terms of how he could perform. So, for me, it kind of depends on the quarterback play, but with – that with, with those specific guys in mind, I'm going to pick Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Okay. And Trey, I see you nodding. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup and actually Devontae Parker both actually worry me on an injury perspective. So um, I'd actually draft Robert Woods. I just think, feel like – I mean, I guess Robert Woods has been in and out of the lineup, but he seems like he's a little more present. Um, albeit Devontae Parker had a huge breakout season last year and – you know, I, I think that that's a large reason why they had actually had a solid passing offense. I mean, relative to, you know, their running game. <laughs> All right. Okay, moving on to the New York Jets here in 2019. They were 79. They had high expectations going into the year after signing a level belt, but they never put it together. Um, Sam Darnold caught mono at the beginning of the season, and then he also started seeing ghosts, so that's never good. Their head coach is Adam Gase in his fourth year of coaching. He has a career record of 30 and 34. They rank number 31 in total offense, number 16 in total defense. Their weakness is, once again, their O-line. They have the second worst time to pressure rate at 2.5 seconds or less on 28% of their snaps. Um, they lost Jamal Adams, literally their best player and probably the best safety in the league. They traded to the Seahawks. They also lost Robbie Anderson, a wide receiver, Brandon Shell, a tackle. They went to the draft and picked up some solid pieces in uh, Mackie Becton from Louisville, a tackle, and Denzel Mims, a wide receiver from Baylor. They went in uh, in free agency. They got George Fant from the Seahawks, Connor McGovern (laughs) from the Broncos, a center, and got Rashad Perriman, a wide receiver, and also signed Frank Gore, legendary guy. He's 37 years old. Why is he still in the league? I don't know, but, you know, he's still there. And then they got Joe Flacco. He probably won't play. Uh, My prediction is that the Jets go 7-9. and I don't think the Jets will ever succeed with Adam Gase as their head coach. He's He's terrible. 
Um, Lev Bell just said this is going to be his best season yet, and, but I don't think so. And I'm a big Lev Bell guy. I loved, I loved him as a Steeler, but he won't be able to do anything with Gase as his head coach. That being said, they did show up their offensive line, so Darnold should be able to have enough time to see the ghost and not throw to them. And Lev Bell should have a little bit more running room this season. The Jets made a terrible mistake in trading away Jamal Adams, and their defense will take a massive step back this season. Alex, let's start with you. What do you think? Yeah, I have him going uh, five and eleven. I don't have a ton of faith in Adam Gates either. Um, I agree with you. I think the Jamal Adams trade was a mistake. Um, you know, from reading reports around the league, it sounds like they got a decent amount from him uh, or for him, I guess. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that say, you know, if Sam Darnold didn't stick his tongue down some chick's throat, they might have, you know, gotten 500 or something. And I'm a big USC guy, so, like, I love Sam Darnold. I want to see him succeed. I just I just don't know if they have it. That O-line is weak, and, like, their two best players are Sam Darnold and Lev Bell. And if that O-line can't help those guys, they're in a lot of trouble. Eric? Yeah, I got him at six and ten. I do like Darnold. He can't get mono again. He can't be kissing strippers this year. Uh, just don't kiss him. Uh, this is <laughs> this is Darnold's chance to prove himself. He has shown signs of life uh, in the past. Le'Veon Bell shit the bed last year. I almost I tried to get him in fantasy actually, and Alex was the pick before me, and Alex drafted him. But thank God I didn't yeah. get him anyways. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> He's getting a lot of money, so he needs to do better this year. I think he'll do hopefully better than last year. They traded away Jamal Adams. They, it shows me from that trade they got two first-round picks and a third-round pick. Um, if shit goes down south for them this year, expect a rebuild type of season. You know, they got these future draft picks. It's kind of like this is their season to throw it all on the line and see what, what happens. Six and ten for the Jets. Trading. Yeah, I see seven and nine. Um, I, I just think that, you know, I don't know much about um, Adam Gase myself. Um, new, I'm relatively new to the sport, obviously. But, um, you know, Sam Darnold needs to show progress. If, if It sounds like he needs to show progress if um, Gase is going to keep his job. Uh, Lev Bell hopefully can't make the excuse that he has no O-line. Um, coming off a contract dispute like that with a bad season is a bad look. Now we can say that it was the O-line, which is valid, but – now you better show us something. Um, defense, I think you were, I think you're right. I mean, they they ranked about half, you know, within the within the halfway point of the uh, of the defense among the league. I think they're going to take a step back. Um, seven and nine is probably on the generous side, to be honest. And Tyler. Yeah, I got him at five and eleven. Um, really, not much now. What Premier's has been said already. Um, okay. Yeah. Moving on to fantasy, Sam Darnold's going at 170-plus. QB54 is going undrafted. He has 39 touchdowns and 28 interceptions in his career. I think he's just the undrafted. Um, Lev Bell right now is going at uh, 42.9, running back 18. As mentioned earlier, he said he was going to have his best season yet. I don't believe it, but I think he's definitely going to have a better year than he did last year. Right now, he's going between Lenny Fournette and David Johnson. So, Traden, who would you have? Probably Fournette. <laughs> okay, I would too. Uh, last week, we're going to talk about Jameson Crowder. He's the only wide receiver worth mentioning here. Um, he's only at 114, wide receiver 38. Last season, he had uh, 70, he caught 78 passes. So it's a really good PPR pick. Right now, he's going five picks in front of Sterling Shepard. Alex, I know you're a big Shepard guy from last episode. 
So who would you rather have and why? Um, I'd still go with Shepard. Um, I just think because it's kind of counterintuitive, but because the Giants have other options, you know, the defense is going to be spread out trying to cover those options, whereas the Jets, all they're covering is Crowder because they don't have other options. Um, so I'd go with Shepard. That's a good call. Uh, moving on to the Buffalo Bills in 2019, they were 10 and 6. They were a pretty big surprise team because they were a 6 and 10 team the year before. Last season, they lost in the wildcard round to the Texans in overtime. Um, they finished with ranked right number 23 in total offense and number two in total defense. They uh, lost Shaq Lawson to the Dolphins and Jordan Phillips to the Cardinals. They drafted a defensive end in the second round and a running back in the third round. They added pretty big names in Stephon Diggs when they traded him. And then um, they also got Mario Addison from the Panthers for $30 million. He had 9.5 sacks last season. My prediction is that the Bills go 11-5. and five. I think the Bills are just a solid all-around team. Let's start with the offense here. Josh Allen is improving just about every single year. He's got a strong arm and better than average running ability. He now has a wide receiver one in Stephon Diggs and a great wide receiver two and three in John Brown and Cole Beasley, who can create space easily. The defense looks, looks as primed as it was last year. They drafted a foundational defensive end in A.J. Espena in the second round. That'll be a force for years to come. Overall, this is a really, really strong team, and I think they're going to win the division straight up. Tyler, what do you think? I agree, man. Uh, I got them also have them at 11 and 5. Um, I think this team has been improving year by year the last, you know, four or five years or so. Um, brutal playoff loss last year to the Texans. I think they could, uh, easily could have advanced in that uh, game. Um, Bills Mafia, this is your time. Let's go. Let's go, Bills. I think, I, I think they'll win, win the division this year. Uh, I like the Bills a lot. Jaden? Yeah, man. Uh, 12 and four. I mean, Buffalo has actually something to, uh, to, to be happy about sports wise. Um, Allen's justified that he's his, the number seven overall pick in 2018. He's big, he's mobile and he's a gamer. He fucking fights, he fucking goes for it. Um, he's all, he also joins an, a small name of, of QBs with a 20 plus passing and a 12 plus rushing touchdown in the first two seasons, tie, tying Wilson and Watson for the most winning game drives. Game winning drives in 2019 with five. So he has some verse. So he's, he's solid and he has some versatile weapons behind him. Um, Stefan Diggs is coming back to back to back thousand yard um, season. So he's freaking solid. And I think they got a, a promising tight end in Dawson Knox. I think, I think, I think they're actually going to make a run for it. And, um, and definitely went definitely win the uh, division for sure. Eric. 12 and four. Also uh, these fans are going to shatter tables WWE style, no matter what, whether they're good or trash. This year, they will be good once again. It's going to be positive for them. Josh Allen is just a solid QB. He's got more weapons now. He has Stefan Diggs. Uh, and Bills have one of the top defenses. So the whole slogan, defense wins games, offense buys tickets, I think uh, it's going to go well for the Bills this year. Hopefully they can make a good playoff run as well. 12 and 4. And Alex. Um, I got 11 and 5. Shout out to my boy Zach. Uh, Bills Mafia. Big fan. Um, I think Josh Allen is an underrated fantasy option. Um, he, he's got the legs. He's got a fucking cannon. Dude, he threw from his knees a 50-yard pass through the field goal. That's insane. Josh Allen is the man. Um, I think Stephon Diggs, I think their wide receiver core is legit. 
they should win. I think they should win this division pretty easily. Um, I'm actually going to ask you about fantasy. Uh, so we're going to talk about Josh Allen first. He's going as QB number 10. Eric, you're highest on Josh Allen, having him as QB number six. Alex, you had him as QB number 10. So why do you have your so high? And then why do you have your so low? Uh, I didn't know I put him that high, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. He's, uh, he's a solid quarterback. Alex just kind of laid it down for you. Uh, we've all been talking about him this whole time. He's just a guy that's going to put, put himself out there on the line. He's got more weapons. I think he's going to do really well this year. So I'll, I'll stand with that number six I'm out of 10 pick. Yeah, I put him at number 10 um, mostly to try to persuade you guys not to pick him when we do fantasy oh, football okay. later mm. so i can pick him because i think josh allen is going to have a breakout year um i think that team is legit he doesn't have to worry about tom brady um he's dude that dude's huge um i actually met him one time so that was really fucking cool um he's a california boy living in apparently buffalo but uh <laughs> i'm a i'm a big josh allen guy i think he's gonna have a big a big year this year i agree with that um, talk about Stephon Diggs next. He's going wide receiver 26. Um, based on name value alone, you'd think he would be a top 15 wide receiver, but he moves, he moves an offense that's run first and has a QB that can also run. So I think where he's being drafted now is pretty accurate. Uh, Traden, Jarvis Landry's ADP is 68.1, while Diggs is 68.2. Who would you rather have? I, th- I think I'd rather have Diggs. Um, seems like he his last two years have been pretty solid. Um, six touchdowns last year. I, th- I think that he's a big part of that core. Um, that's, I'm, I'm picking him. Okay. And then lastly, their defense is going as defense number three. They're a solid defense. I think I'd pick them if they're available uh, in the eighth round. Um, lastly, the New England Patriots. 2019, they were 12 and four. They lost the wild card to the t- Titans. They had one of the best defenses of all time, allowing only 225 points total to other teams. They're coached by Bill Belichick in his 25th year coaching, has an insane record of 273 wins and 127 losses. They're ranked number seven in total offense. They're ranked number one in total defense. Their weakness is finding a QB. Tom Brady's gone now. What are you going to do about it? Uh, He's signed with the Bucks for 50 million. They, oh man, okay. They lost a ton of pieces on offense and defense this year. Jamie Collins is with the Lions now. He had seven sacks last year. Kyle Van Noy signed with the Dolphins, which we talked about earlier. He had 6.5 sacks last year, and they lost some key pieces on the offensive line. They went in, they drafted people you never hear about because they know that's a Patriot way. Their first pick was in the second round, and they picked some guy who was a Division II guy. We'll see how that works out. Um, they went in and added Cam Newton from the Panthers. If he's healthy, he's going to be a force. They also signed some pretty – like nobody knows these guys, but they signed Bo Allen from the Bucks, Adrian Phillips from the Chargers. And they also signed Lamar Miller from the Texans. He's coming off a torn ACL. He didn't play last season. So my prediction is that they go 9-7, and seven, and I think that's being generous. Uh, overall, it's going to be pretty hard to predict because the number of players they've lost opting out because of COVID. Six total players, three of them were starters, uh, and a number of key players that they lost. I know that the Patriot way is a thing, and they can always go next man up, but I don't think they can overcome this. They definitely won't have a 12-4 record that they had last year. On the defensive side, their strength is their secondary. Stephon Gilmore is still the best cornerback in the league, and it's up to him and Devin McCoy to keep this defense productive. Dante H- Hightower has opted out, so that automatic, automatically decreases the value of their defense. On offense, their big signing was Cam Newton. If he's healthy, he's a great all-purpose quarterback. 
They still don't have any weapons, though. Julian Edelman is getting up there in age, and he's basically the only offensive weapon they have. If he gets hurt, the record will be worse than I predicted. Trayden, let's start with you. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think they're going to regress. Um, lots of players lots of players missing. Uh, offense is just not what it used to be. Although I, I am pretty still pretty strong on the defense. Um, I know they're missing um, Dante Hightower and a couple others, but I'll tell you, I, I believe in their first man up or, in the, or in their next man up type of mentality. They're very versatile. You can't even, you, you, they don't even have a, a scheme that you can even call what they are because they, they, they do whatever the hell they want depending on the game situation. And I think that the way Belichick has, has worked his, his defensive, you know, the defensive side of his teams, I think that they'll be able to adapt to pretty much anything to keep them at least above 500. So I, I, I see nine, seven, nine and seven for sure. Okay. Eric. Yeah, I got them at 10 and six. They're still going to be a threat. Cam Newton uh, has everything to prove though for himself. He now has the greatest football coach ever. He still has a top 10 defense. And people such as myself want to see them do bad, but they're still going to be somewhat good. And uh, I, you'll probably get into it, but Cam Newton, I had him on the list of quarterbacks that people were rattled with. I will ask you about that. I see. Yeah. I'll, I'll save it for when you ask me about it. Okay. Fuck it. And then uh, and Alex. Uh, yeah, I have him at 10 and 6 as well. Um, I kind of agree with Eric. Uh, I think – you know, this team is a team that you can easily kind of put down and, you know, say they're, you know, in a rebuild mode or whatever you want to say, but they still have the leadership behind Bill Belichick. I think Cam Newton, as Eric mentioned, has a lot to prove. And his one-year contract is a huge year for him. Um, and he's going to step it up. And he's with, with, with one of the greatest football minds of, of, of all time. As Trayden mentioned, their defense is still pretty solid. Um, I think they're still going to be very competitive. I think they make a wild card spot, um, but they will fall short of the division and finish 10-6. Uh, I have him at eight and eight. Um, I'm not 100% sold that Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, Jarrett Stidham, they were talking about him all offseason before this Cam Newton thing. Bill Pelichek said he's our guy. Then Cam Newton kind of just fell into their laps. Um, I probably would have had them a little bit higher if it wasn't for the opt-outs. But if you kind of looked at their schedule last year, that defense probably won them at least a couple of games. Tom Brady oh, really did really faltered towards the end of the season. Um, so I have an eight at eight. I, it's a tough call because you can't, you can't bet against Bill Belichick. Like he will take his hoodie off and smother you with it if you do. <laughs> so uh, I have to give him at least a 500 record. I could, I could be very wrong. Uh, we'll ha- we'll see what happens with Patriots. Uh, going to fantasy here, Eric. I'm gonna go and do you first. But Cam Newton's being drafted at 137, QB 14. Why do you have him in your top 10? Um, even though he's a quarterback, he's ninth in yards per carry, above a couple dudes named Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, and Todd Gurley. I know he's a quarterback, and that's running, but. Another little stat is he's number 12 in total offense above another pretty good player named Russell Wilson. So I got to have faith in him, even though he didn't do shit for me last year in fantasy. I probably won't get him this year, but I threw him in that top 10 list and look what happened. Okay. And then we'll talk about Julian Edelman real fast. He's going at 96, wide receiver 34. He's never played without Tom Brady in his entire career. And I honestly think this ranking is disrespectful. I think he should really be a top 15 wide receiver. Traden, do you agree or disagree? Um, 
I'm actually going to disagree uh, um, okay. slightly because I, I think that if Tom Brady was still the quarterback, absolutely. Um, but as we know, Tom Brady definitely picks and chooses who his favorites are, and he will directly not throw to the secondary options. We have new, we have new blood here. Um, and so I think the ball is going to be thrown around to literally anyone who's available. And Julian Edelman's targets are definitely going to come down. That's my, that's my belief. And I just don't, that's what I would think he's not going to be up in that, in that tupper echelon that you mentioned shortly below it. Okay, for sure. And last of the defense going at defense number five, I wouldn't draft a defense number five. And uh, that concludes my segment, guys. Thank you very much. Always good info from James, and he's going to help me win fantasy this year with all that info. Uh, when we Doubt return, it. guys, basketball playoffs are back in full effect. Alex is going to let you know why it's important to pay attention. Everybody, we're back. And so is the NBA playoffs. And Alex is going to tell you why it's important to be paying attention and watching this. Alex, tell us why. Yeah, you know, we haven't talked about the NBA a whole bunch on this podcast yet. And now that the playoffs are in full swing. We're out of the seeding games. We're out of that crazy uh, Blazers-Grizzlies game to figure out who would be the eighth seed. I thought it would be time to talk a little NBA basketball down there in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so we're going to start with the West, and we're going to kind of go all over the place, so stick with us here. So I'm going to start with James. Uh, we're going to go – so we have the number four seed Rockets versus the number five seed Thunder. So just some little talking points here. James Harden and Russell Westbrook against Chris Paul. Westbrook and Chris Paul were traded for each other. The series is right now 1-0 Houston. Uh, it was a 123-108 final. Harden with 37, CP3 20, 10, and 9. James, what do you think about this series so far? So far, I think this is a great series. Um, overall, I have the Thunder and six for this one. Um, like you said, there's a lot of emotions in the series just because of the weirdness of, you know, CP3 and Russell Westbrook. But overall, I think it's going to be a great series to watch. Um, today, I thought – I just – watching today's game, I was reminded about how much I hate James Harden's style of play. That guy is a bitch, and I, I hate <laughs> watching it. Big time, <laughs> not a fan at all. And I really wanted the Thunder to win, but it, it was just like, it was tough for them to win when CP3 wasn't hitting until the fourth quarter and Dennis Schroeder went three for 12. Um, overall, though, I, it's tough to win a lot of big in this league. And, you know, the Rockets don't have one. They trade away Clint Capella halfway through the year. And you, how are you going to guard Steven Adams and Danilo Gallinari? They couldn't. That's why Danilo Gallinari went off for 29 points. It's going to be an interesting thing just to watch, but I have the Thunder and Six. Okay. Yeah, uh, Russell Westbrook did miss this game, too. He's got a quad injury. Um, according to Mike D'Antoni, hashtag, fuck that guy. Uh, he <laughs> – sorry, as a Lakers fan, fuck Mike D'Antoni. Uh, he, he should be back maybe in this series. They're not giving a ton of info. Um, Another interesting point, the Thunder at the beginning of the season had a .02% to make the playoffs. Got to love Chris Paul for that. Um, this is probably one of the most interesting opening series of the NBA playoffs so far. Uh, moving on to another super interesting one. We've got the number two Los Angeles Clippers versus the number seven Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Clippers did win this one, uh, the first game in the series, 118 to 110. 
Uh, Kawhi went for 29 points and 12 rebounds. Luka Doncic went for 42 points. Um, I personally think Luka could is like the tipping point of this series. He may be the best, best player in this series, even with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George are maybe overall very deep players, but Luka runs that Mavs team like no other team we've ever seen before. Uh, they had a higher, you know, they had the best offensive team in the history of basketball this season. Uh, Christos Porzingis did get ejected with two techs in this game. Uh, there was a lot of talk throughout the NBA bubble that it was some bullshit. Eric, perfect timing. You're throwing up that T signal. This is your series. <laughs> Clips, Mavs, what do you think? Um, I got clips in five games. I do agree, though, with you. Luka Doncic is a tough task to contain. The duo with him and Porzingis, a.k.a. they call him the unicorn. But that European dynamic duo does provide a lot of points and depth to the Mavs, and it kind of creates trouble for other teams. The Mavs were pretty close in that game the whole time yesterday, even with – I will say that was a bullshit call for uh, Porzingis getting ejected. He shouldn't have got ejected. Even they interviewed Doc at halftime. He said, I hate to see that. You know, that's that's not what this game's about. Um, so that kind of screwed them last night. But it, they're going to be tough games. They're going to be close. However, the Clips do got a guy who goes by the nickname KL2, a.k.a. Kawhi. The guy just gets the job done, as we've seen in the past. Uh, PG is another solid player with him. He's going to give you a lot of points. I think he has a little something to prove. He's uh, – he hasn't gotten – I mean, I guess he's gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals, but, you know, he, he wants to go deep. He wants to prove himself. Um, and then one other thing that just really helps the Clippers is uh, two guys, Lou Will and Montrez Harrell. They're the highest-scoring bench duo in NBA history. Um, Trez just got back to the bubble, so it's going to take a little time for him to get it going, but those guys can be dangerous as well. I got Clips in five. Yeah, Alex, dude. The don't clip you hate Lou Will? What? I, Alex hate I don't Will? hate. I don't hate Lou Will. I think the strip club chicken wing saga or whatever you want to fucking call it was a mistake. And if I was a teammate of Lou Will, I'd be pissed. But the, you can't deny the dude can ball. I've never seen someone hit like one-footed three-pointers off of a foul like Lou Will. You got to give him some love for sure. Um, that's a really good point about Lou Will. And we didn't even mention Pat Bev. He's one of the top defenders in the league. Kawhi and PG are great wing defenders. They've got a lot of dudes that they can throw at Doncic, which is, um, I do agree with you, Eric. I do think the clips come out of this series, but I think it might go seven. I have a lot. I think Luka Doncic is a budding star in the making. He could be the face of the NBA within the next couple of years. For sure. Um, going to another young player who just dropped fucking points in game one. Donovan Mitchell dropped 57 in that first game between the Nuggets and the Jazz. They did the, – the Jazz did lose to Denver 135-125 in OT. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, third most points in playoff history behind probably the greatest guy in the fucking world, Michael Jordan. Uh, Trading, this one's for you. What do you think Denver, Utah, budding rivalry, snow, mountains, altitude, even though we're playing in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, 
this is it's gonna be an exciting one. Um, I mean, you got you got uh, Rudy Gobert against uh, uh, Jokic. Um, Nikola Nikola Jokic is just gonna lead that. In my opinion, is just gonna lead that Nuggets team. Um, and he, he, I think everything kind of drives through through him. Um, and I would say that Gobert did provide some some level of uh, of competition for Nikola Jokic, but he still dropped 29 points, 12 rebounds, and nine assists in their um, in their three matchups. So I, I think that Rudy Gobert has to do even more to to stop the the onslaught that is Nikola Jokic. Um, on the other hand, um, R- Rudy Gobert is the is again a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and he will be testing Jokic um, all the way through, uh, along with Donovan Mitchell being able to come up, you know, come out and, and drop some drop some mad points. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good series. Um, so, it, it, in my opinion, I, I see the I see the Nuggets in six. Uh, at the end of the day, I think Jokic um, is gonna is gonna lead this team. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think the Nuggets are one of those underrated title yeah. contenders um, yeah. that people aren't talking about a whole bunch. Um, yeah, Gobert's going to have to fucking contain uh, Jokic or they're screwed. Uh, okay, last series in the West. Tyler, you're rocking your Lakers shirt. It's currently tied at 89 apiece with three minutes and 35 seconds to go. This is the first, Tyler, you're my boy. We've watched Laker games for literally 10 years together now. This is the first playoff game since 2013 when our boy Kobe was still still a player still around hashtag RIP Kobe. Uh, are you worried about this Blazers team? Cause Dame Lillard won the MVP. Oh fuck. Oh shit. He, sorry. He just hit a three. He just hit a three. Again. <laughs> he just hit a three. Basically <laughs> half court. That's great. I love that. Jesus. Okay. Talk about, talk about you're worried about Dame and the Lakers. Go for it. Yeah. And, and as far as I'm concerned, Damian Lillard is the best player in the NBA right now. Um, he's playing on wow. fire. Um, That's a huge dig. Yeah, he, he is just, in terms of his grit, his clutch shooting, overall play, in my opinion, he, he's, the best, he's the best player in the NBA at, at right now, playing in the bubble right now. Um, so, yeah, as far as in the Trailblazers, for whatever reason, the last 10 years probably ever, like, had the Lakers number for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. This season, the, the Blakers played pretty okay against the, the Trailblazers. Um, but I'm pretty nervous about the series. You know, obviously, the Lakers are the number one seed. Their offense has been struggling since they returned. They look a little rusty overall. They just don't look like they're clicking together right now. Um, so I'm a little concerned about their offense. However, the Trailblazers' defense is their biggest weakness. So I feel like if there's a team that they can get it together with, it will be this t- Trailblazers team. I think the Trailblazers are a great team. They're going to grind it out. I think this, game, this series is, is going to go to seven, but I think the Lakers will take it. Um, I have faith in my boys. I have faith in my purple and gold. Uh, like you said, the Lakers are down by three with three minutes left in game one right now. Hopefully they pull it out. I think it's going to be a crazy great series. The, this Trailblazers team behind Damian Lillard is a dangerous team. So I'm nervous about it. But let's go Lakers in seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I have Lakers in six. I just – between the trio of Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard, I just don't think the bigs of the Clippers – I'm sorry, Clippers – of the Blazers can deal. 
I don't know why the Clippers aren't why Fuck the Clippers. Uh, I don't think the the bigs of the Blazers can deal with that trio. Um, as we've seen in the past – fuck, Carmelo just hit another three. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> as we've seen in the past, playoff LeBron is a whole different ball game. There's a reason he went to eight NBA finals in a row. Granted, that was in the East. The West is fucking nasty this year. We'll have to see what happens. I – also, as a Lakers fan, I'm very worried about the Blazers. Uh, Dame is one of my favorite players in the game. He's got – he's probably the most similar to Kobe in the game now. Just the tenacity, the drive to win. He'll fucking push that team. So, yeah, I think I go seven. I just think the Lakers are too talented uh, for the Blazers to deal with them overall. Um, switching to the East. Speaking of teams that are crazy talented, speaking of players that are possibly the best in the league, another MVP possibly coming. The Bucks lost to the Magic today, 122 to 110. In the regular season, the Bucks were the best defensive team in the league. They are only the fourth number one seed to lose by double digits. Two out of those other three teams did lose the series. James, are you worried about the Bucks? Dive in a little bit. Uh, game one was a okay. Um, initially, I had the Bucks sweeping, straight up sweeping the Magic. But after this, it's impossible. So I'm the Bucks in five now. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, <yeah. laughs> what happened this game won't happen often. They had two key players have terrible games. Brooke Lopez went two for nine, had five points and four rebounds in 30 minutes of play. And Chris Middleton, four for 12, 14 points and six rebounds in 31 minutes. Those two stat lines aren't going to happen often. They're too good of players for that to happen again. The only way that the Magic can even come close to winning another game against the, the Bucks is if uh, Nikola Vucevic goes off every single game like he did this last game. He put up, what, 35 points and had 14 rebounds this game? Like, that's probably not going to happen again. Uh, historically, Brick Lopez did a really good job defending him. When they played during the season, he held Vucevic to 43.8% shooting and 20% from three. Additionally, it's when uh, Brooke Lopez is on the floor, the um, Bucks go from a negative 11.2 rating to an eight, a plus 8.9 rating. So he's probably one of the most important players on this team. And uh, Tyler, I have to disagree with you. Giannis is the best player in the league right now. Yeah, I think Lakers I probably, are about to lose. Uh, I do agree. Giannis is probably the best in the league. Uh, the Lakers are going to lose this game, so we'll move past that. So that's a number, another number one seed losing in the first round or the first game of the first round. That's interesting. Um, so the other, Eric, the other uh, series I asked you to talk about, Celtics Sixers. We've got two big injuries in this series. Ben Simmons is out uh, for the season probably with a knee injury, and Gordon Hayward is out for four weeks uh, with a ankle sprain. Uh, the, uh, the Celtics are up 1-0 in the series with a 109-101 victory. Uh, what do you got on this series? I got uh, Celtics are a deep, tough team. They haven't had a lot of spotlight this year. I got Celtics in five. Uh, a lot of it mainly because of that unfortunate news of Ben Simmons. He is their best defender as well, and that's tough. He probably would have been guarding Kemba, uh, who's, from what I've heard, one of the most agile NBA players in the league currently. Uh Embiid is a solid player. That dude just gets lazy, man. Like, if you, if you saw him yesterday, like, there, there was points in the game. He's kind of just walking around. 
you look at other guys, like you look at Anthony Davis, you know, those superstars, those guys are fucking running the floor the whole game. That's why they're down there getting those easy dunks, easy points. There's times where he gets lazy. He's a solid player. I do – I love Tobias Harris on the Sixers. He's a guy that is going to try as hard as he can to get them to win. He'll get you 20 to 30 points. They just need more depth um, than just him, and Ben Simmons would have helped. Celtics just have their number like they have in these last few seasons. I think they've played each other like the last three or four years in the playoffs, and they continue to beat him down, and they will again this year. Tatum, that guy is a superstar, up and coming. Not even up and coming. He's already solid. You don't always hear about him, and he just gets the job done. Uh, don't you Lakers fans wish they would have drafted him and not that bum Lonzo Ball? I mean, yeah, it's hard to we predict. We don't need to talk about that right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to predict because it's a draft, but yeah, fuck, man. Uh, the Celtics' death is rougher and tougher than 76ers. They got Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, oh, yeah, and like I said, the, one of the most currently agile players, Kemba Walker, Celtics in five. Yeah, I agree with you. Without Ben Simmons, he can literally guard everyone between a one through a five. He's he's a six nine point guard. He's pretty much what Magic Johnson was, but Magic was a much better passer. Uh, yeah, I just think the Celtics' depth is too much for them. I agree. I think it's going to be Celtics in five. Uh, the Lakers did just lose by seven to Portland, but I did just see a little thing pop up. LeBron is the first player in NBA history to score 20 points, 15 rebounds, and 15 assists in a playoff game. This is his 17th year in the NBA. you got to give some love to LeBron, uh, but I don't want to focus too much on Lakers right now. Uh, the next series we got is Raptors Nets, the two versus the seven. Uh, when we talked about the NBA a couple seasons or a couple seasons, a couple episodes ago, uh, we were all worried about the Nets. Uh, Kyrie's out, KD hasn't played, DeAndre Jordan's out, Spencer Dinwiddie's out. Um, they were down by 33 at one point. They brought it back to nine. They did lose this game by 24. Uh, so it is 1-0 Toronto. Uh, Traden, what do you got on this series? Canada hockey yeah. Raptors. Yeah, this one's going to be pretty pretty quick for me. I think it gave me the easiest one to analyze. Um, I have Raptors yeah. at four. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't even th- – I think the Nets are probably the most unhealthy bubble team of all of them. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're missing out their two leading scorers, not even including KD. Um, and they've really done well to tread water in the bubble, but I, I think that this Raptors team and their defense is just going to, you know, come in and, and finish it off. Um, I mean, you, you look at, you look at how the Raptors do it. Yeah. They don't have Kawhi, but they're known for their defensive strength. Nick nurse has those guys, um, you know, playing strong defensive, well coached. Um, they do have some offensive talent and pass off Siakam averages 22.9 uh, points and 7.3 rebounds per game this year. Um, he's kind of their number one option and he is going to continue. He's going to, he's going to be the one that I, I think that he needs to show that he can lead this team in, in an easier series and show that he's going to be able to do it against the Bucks. Um, uh, cause I have them, I have them playing the Bucks in the Easter Cup's final. Um, um, but then you have, look who you also have. You have, um, all NBA guard, Kyle Lowry, solid player gets points up. Um, Freddie Van Vliet, Norman Powell, Marcus Sol, Serge Ibaka, they have depth on the bench. Um, they get it done by committee. Um, and I even saw that last year, um, you know, when, when I watched them, I went up to Canada to watch, uh, to see some family and we watched the Toronto B 
beat um, the Warriors in the finals. And they get it done by committee. Yeah, Kawhi was a huge part of that, but everyone's chipping in. Everyone's beat everyone. One player will have a game. One player, you know, one player will have a game. That's just how they how they roll. And I, I, I see them being. I see them playing the the Bucks in the in the finals. Um, you know, so this is a, this is a sweep in my opinion. You just love Toronto. Yeah. No, I hate fucking Toronto. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> yeah, Toronto um, is one of those. I think everyone in the East is so focused on Milwaukee and Giannis. And um, just like Eric said just before, I think Boston and Toronto are two teams that have a very good chance of coming out of the East that people aren't giving enough love to. Uh, very last Thank one. You. This is a this is a tough one, Tyler. Uh, Pacers Heat. We got the four five. T.J. Warren, one of the unheralded stars of the bubble so far. Jimmy Butler uh, coming in with that tenacity with the Heat. Uh, the Heat are up one zero, a one thirteen one zero one victory today. Uh, what do you got on this series, Ty? Ty. Yeah, as, as far as the Pacers are concerned, like you mentioned, T.J. Warren came in shooting super hot. One of the best players in in the league in the bubble. Uh, the Pacers overall had a six and two record in, in the bubble. Uh, Victor Oladipo for me is the kind of the X factor of this team. He's been, he's like their, their number one guy, but you know, he almost opted out of the, of the bubble because of he was rehabbing from a quad injury. Um, so if, if he can be healthy and effective, I think the Pacers will definitely give the heat a, a run for their money. But in my, in my opinion, I think the heat just have way more depth than the Pacers do. And I think that's going to be the difference in the series. I think the heat win this one in six. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler had 28 today. Goran Dragic all of a sudden had 24. Um, Bam Adebayo, possibly a uh, um, sixth man of the year, kind of like an up-and-coming guy, had 17. He was an all-star this year. The the heater nasty, I don't know if they can get through those top three teams we just talked about, but um, the Heat are a very interesting team to watch. Um, I think if they get another star, they are a powerhouse in the making for the years to come. Uh, real quick, I just want you guys to give me your picks for the finals and then who wins and how many games. Uh, James, you first. I got Lakers, Bucks, Lakers, and seven. Okay. Eric? I got Clippers, Celtics, Clippers, and seven. Trade? Uh, I got Lakers, Bucks as well. Bucks and seven. Giannis gets his trophy. Okay. Ty Ty? Lakers over Toronto in six. I had – Exactly the same thing. Lakers, <laughs> Raptors, Lakers in six. Uh, all right, guys, that was the NBA little uh, recap there. Thanks, Alex. Uh, that was great insight for the NBA, and just fucking sports world is flourishing right now, guys. Yes. When we come back, Trayden is going to fucking let us know who's the best in hockey currently. Everybody's sports are fucking going crazy right now. And you know we gotta mention playoff hockey when we talk crazy fucking sports from a crazy fucking guy trading. Let us hear it. Well, thank you for that intro. Um, yeah, so we're just gonna quickly go through the, the recap of these uh, series here. Um, starting, at, starting in the East, um, we got the Flyers with the, versus the Canadians. Um, 
Flyers are up three one in the series. Um, James, I think uh, I think I tasked you to to check this one out. I know that you were very interested in this series. You said that to me, I believe, when we were on um, on our little trip on the weekend. So, tell me what you think about this series so far. Uh, I think so far the series has been very, very, very close. I think everybody here in the, this little chat in our podcast had the Flyers absolutely dominating the Canadians, and that has not been the case. Uh, just in terms of goal differential, the Canadians are actually up by one because of that game too, where they had five goals. Um, the biggest thing is is that the uh, Canadians have a lot of penalties. If they can cut mm-hmm. that down, I think they'd be in a better position to win. I mean, Carey Price is still doing amazing as it is. And they're out, the Canadians are shooting the Flyers 112 to 103 for the series. Um, a little fact is that teams that have a 3 and 1 lead have a 90.6 chance of winning the series. Yeah. But I think the Habs can be that uh, 9.4% that will come back and win. So go, yeah. go Canadians. I'm, uh, I'd love to agree with you. I'm, I'm not. Um, the, game, the games that I've seen, <laughs> the games that I've seen, you are absolutely right in that the games have been close in terms of scoring. If you watch the way the, pl- the Flyers have been playing, they are completely dominating the middle of the ice. Um, the, the Montreal Canadiens just have not been able to – they haven't even been able to score in two games. I mean, yeah, five goals in one game, that's fantastic, but they haven't been able to get anything on the board for th- six periods. They're getting completely swallowed up, and the Flyers are just taking their time, finding, finding their opportunity, and, and striking. Um, Kevin Hayes has been a huge leader on the squad, um, and their stinker – and in my opinion, their stinker game two was was just a bad game. I I, I expect the series to be over tomorrow, but I hope that you're right in that they can make it a series because I would love to see Montreal upset the Flyers, but I, I just don't see it happening, um, unfortunately. Um, moving on to the Capitals and Island uh, Islanders, uh, after a crazy game today, uh, the Capitals did not get swept. Um, the Islanders lead the series three to one. Alex, I have you checking this series out. What do you think about this one? Yeah, uh, I think this is one of the only ones that, as a consensus, we were really fucking wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think we we picked we picked the Capitals with their big names um, to come through this series. Maybe not quite uh, as we predicted. Obviously, um, the Islanders have been fucking killing it, um, but at the same time, the Washington Capitals, their big boys have been scoring. Oshie's got three. Kudnetsov has got two. Ovi's got two. Ovi scored another two tonight. Um, the real problem with the Washington Capitals is the netminder in Braden Holtby. He is not playing very well. If Braden Holtby turns into 2017-2018 Holtby when they won the Cup, they could be a team that comes back from 3-0. I don't think it will happen, but if they get – the consistent goaltending that Holby has shown in the past, I think they do have a chance. Their firepower on offense is just too much. Um, John Carlson, a, a possible, you know, best defenseman in the league right now. Oh, really amazing. also, yeah, he's great. He needs to show he, – he's got four points. Um, if he and Ovi and Kuznetsov, kind of the three big boys in that team, can show up, I think they have a chance. Um, we talked about this last week, though. Barry Trotz might just swallow them up because he knows them. He's a great coach. That Islanders team reminds us of the Kings of, you know, yesteryear, fucking whatever you want to say. Um, I think it will end up going six Hmm. now. Um, I think the Capitals maybe get one more. 
I just don't know if they can beat the Islanders three more times. Yeah, I uh, I have to agree with you on that. Um, interesting fact: the Islanders have lost one game uh, now, I guess now two since entering the bubble. Um, they're the only, and they've only allowed. Um, they've only been one game that they've allowed more than two goals, um, except I guess for except for today, I believe. <laughs> uh, but they're playing so tight, um, and they have the Corsi stats to. And the Corsi stats show that a lot of the shots for the for the Caps are staying on the outside perimeter, very similar to what you're seeing the Flyers do to the Canadians. And you've seen the Capitals just look; the big guys are looking completely lost. They can't they can't get they can't figure it out. And the, and literally the Islanders have you know Varlamov and you could say Matt Barzell, who's amazing. He's probably is actually probably the fastest guy in the league. Um, yes, I said that he is the fastest guy in the league. Um, Adam Pellick has really helped shore up their defense as well. Um, he, they're definitely in a better state when he's, when he's back there. Um, I'll be honest. I think, I think that with the Caps winning today, um, game five will be their final game. Um, I think that the Islanders are just, I mean, Barry's trots has been everything that, that is uh, as advertised and the Capitals didn't sign him and they're um, slapped around for that one. I think, um, Next up, we have the Bruins versus the Hurricanes. Um, one that is kind of making me sad here. We have the Bruins up 3-1. Tyler, what's going on here? Yeah, well, I picked my Bruins to win it, and uh, they're looking pretty good so far. This, the Game four was a was a turning point, in my opinion. I mean, yes. the, the, the Canes yes. had them at – were winning 2-0 going to third period. Bruins exploded for four, for, for four goals in the third period. I mean, that's a tough one to come back from. Um, I think the Bruins are going to win this one in six. Obviously, the injury to Shvesnikov for the Canes is huge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that I was I, I, when I was watching Game Four. You know, I thought you know maybe this team's coming together from the injury, and they're going to you know a lot of times with with team sports, you know, you can really come together with uh, with one of your key guys coming together with getting hurt with with great leadership. Sometimes that can you know make your team better. Um, and the Canes looked like that team the the, the first two periods, but. Bruins came back firing. I mean, they're they're getting the best out of their best players. Marshan's got uh, seven points in the series so far. Um, in my opinion, I think the Bruins are just you know they're killing it. The the crazy thing with uh, uh, Tuga Rask opting out of the season um, was pretty crazy. So there was a little bit of a, a little bit of craziness going on with the Bruins goaltending yeah. situation. But I think Halak has stepped in, done a pretty solid job for them yes. so far. Um, I think the Bruins after that game four win. I see him in. I I see them winning this uh, series in six. Yeah. Um, touching on um, two grass real quick. I I was the first one to say that I thought it was pretty crazy, and I, I was upset that he would do such a thing. <laughs> but after hearing from someone close to him, it sounds like he actually had some family issues that he needed to handle. That's not official, but it sounds. But if if that's the case, I think any of us on this panel would be. Uh, be opting out to go see our families if that was the case um i see the hurricanes losing i I could see them losing in um the next game i can maybe see a six game um hurricanes losing smash to has just completely blown up their offense um that line was buzzing until he went down um oh side note jack edwards the announcer for the uh for the um boston bruins is a fucking idiot piece of scum Um, I, i i could go a whole podcast just talking about how much of an asshole he is but i won't yet um, maybe later. I'll even write about that. I think um, Boston has just owned the Corsi battle, and the perfection line is firing. Even with Pasta out, he's going to be back. 
they are just firing. Um, sorry, Keynes. I really wanted you to go to the end, but I don't think you're gonna. Um, I will say this is interesting that if the Hurricanes win tomorrow, I don't know if the Boston Bruins are going to continue playing Halak that many games straight. Are they going to have to go to Dan Vladar, who I don't even know who he is, or Maxim Legacy, who is not a very Maxime Legacy, who is not a very good goalie? It'll be interesting to see um, if they have to go to a backup because um, I, I, I have no idea what they're going to do. Uh, finally, we have the Bolts and Jackets up from the East. Um, again, a sad one for me. Um, series has a, has the uh, Bolts up three one. Eric, what do you think about this one? Boy, did that five overtime game fuck the Jackets. I agree. Two methods. One, because they lost it. Two, because, like we mentioned before, now you can see they got drained from that game. They lost some legs, lost a little pep to the step. Even though they did win the next game, you just see the Lightning. They're playing with a vengeance. They got depth. They're proving themselves. They're out skating, and they're hitting back on the Blue Jackets, which, you know, the Jackets are going to do their thing. The Lightning are doing a little bit more of it. That simple. Jackets did just lose a close one. Um, I love seeing those post-game interviews with Tortorella. He's, the, he's probably <laughs> the best coach when a team loses. Uh, one of the questions, uh, what aspects of your game need to change? Most of them. <laughs> how much, yeah. How much more offense do you need to step up? More. <laughs> that guy's fucking great. I love. I love how he. And if if they take longer than like twenty seconds to ask him a question, he just gets up and leaves. It's great. Uh, you got to give the Lightning credit though. They're playing hard. They're hitting back. Yes. More offense. More scoring. That's what wins games. Last thing I'll say is uh, if anyone can come back, it's the Jackets and Tortorella. Just this next game, look for what Wierenski and Jones to just be playing their dicks off out there on the ice. And, I mean, Jones has been doing that the whole series. And that first game he played, I think Alex had like 60 minutes. It was insane. But, you know, every game now is an elimination game for them. So, I think they actually kind of play better that way. I still got the Jackets coming out in seven games. Wow. Um, I, I'd love Ooh. to see that. Um I, I think the Jackets' lack of, uh, lack of depth is really starting to catch up to them. Um, Jones, Dubois, and Wierenski just can't be playing this many minutes if they want to go for, go forward. Um, the Jackets are down even though Stamkos hasn't even played a game, and and that's scary. <laughs> um, and that's scary going for the Bulls going forward for any team that has to play them because once Stamkos is back, watch out. Um, I had thought that a team – a, a, a underdog losing a game like that is a huge blow. They came back and really had a great game too. And and I thought that the, that the, the bolts gave up a huge opportunity to completely sweep the series. Um, and I think that it gave the jet at the time, I thought it gave the jackets a, a chance to get back into it. When you have a, a guy dead to rights or a team dead to rights, you have to sl throw sl or, uh, shove it down their throats. And they didn't. Um, I will say that the lightning has taken the place of the jackets in meaning that they're playing the Jackets game. They're playing a boring game. They're playing a defensive game. They're learning how to hold leads. And it's frustrating. It's very boring, but it's effective. And and that's how they're going to beat these Jackets, just beat them to a pulp. Um, I hope you're right, though, and I love to see a game seven between those two teams. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. Shifting over to the West, we have Chicago um, versus the um, Vegas Golden Knights. 
Eric, I know you fucking hate the Vegas Golden Knights. That's why I gave this uh, series to you. Right now, there's a minute 30 left, and it's 3-3. What is your thought about this series? Yeah, the Vegas Golden Fucks versus the Chicago Trash Hawks. Let me just start by saying fuck them both, (laughs) Uh, especially Vegas, because they sweat my kings. That's, like, why I have a big hatred for them. But shit, I bet money on the on the Blackhawks. They did show signs of life. That's I think that's like my most coined term with everything, showing signs of life. But maybe the Oilers just got bum rushed and weren't ready. That could be be the case as well. Uh, but Vegas, they look like that fast paced, score right when you gain momentum, frustrating team that they are. They surround the puck at all times. They score when it matters. It's just fucking so annoying to see them do well. Uh, Blackhawks are surprisingly the youngest team in the playoffs besides the Taze, Kane, Duncan, Keith, and Crawford players. But uh, they've been in pretty close games, believe it or not. They lost that game two overtime. Uh, game three, they lost by one goal. The first game, they got destroyed. Uh, and currently, they're in a 3-3 game, and the second period's about to end. So, you know, every game has been pretty close. Uh, they need Crawford to play – like he did in that game four. They need Taze and Kane to show up like they did versus the Oilers. And they need the young bucks like Kubalik and Dabrinkit to get the puck rolling. But guess what? That fucking happened on the second goal today. Kubalik to Dabrinkit to get them up 2 not, uh, nothing, right? Yeah, 2 yeah, nothing. Uh, they just need to keep getting in the back of the net. I bet that the Blackhawks would win. I'm just going to go with my heart, not my brain. Blackhawks in seven. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. This ends today. Um, if you look at the Corsi stats, it's been utter domination. Um, Crawford literally stole game four. I mean, I'm sorry, he did. This looks very similar to the Azios, which we're, Tyler we're going to be talking about soon. Um, I even, th- from a Corsi perspective, in, tr- in terms of uh, shot attempts, the Knights still owned the Hawks in that OT game. <laughs> so their possession was there. Sorry, Eric. I know there was close, but I mean, the five-on-five five stats speak for themselves, and it's clear eventually it's going to catch up to you. Yeah, you might squeeze out a game or two, but I just don't. I mean, this is a this is a mismatch, mis- mismatch if I've ever seen one. Uh, in my opinion, it ends today. But I love to see more hockey, so let's see the the Blackhawks win. More hockey's um, happy uh, makes me happy. Um, abs Yotes, Abs are leading three to one. Tyler, what do you think of this series? It's over. It's uh, over. It's <laughs> over, guys. I mean. Avs, I've been dominating this series. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, oh my fucking God. stud, dude. I mean, this guy is just tearing up this Yotes defense. Um, and let's also let's give some props to uh, Grubauer, our goaltender, who's been yeah. oh, a yeah. solid goaltender um, so far this series at a, a 9.33 save percentage. I mean, he's, he's killing it as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to say. I mean – Seven to one in game four. It's over, boys. I mean, I I, I think the uh, Avs will win this one in five. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat what I just said last series. Utter domination. Um, <laughs> I mean they they scored a touchdown and a PAT against the Yotes yesterday. Um, the only game that Arizona won, the Avs dominated. It was a 92-shot attempt to 39 for Arizona. If you had not shown me the score, I would say that the Avalanche were winning 5-0. Um, Darcy Kemper has been incredible, like unbelievable. And 
unfortunately, if you just rely on your goaltender, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be uh, flushed down the toilet, and they're gonna be. Um, <laughs> oh, and by the way, easily bona fide second best player on the planet is Nathan McKinnon, no doubt about it. Um, anybody can fight me if they disagree, because um, he absolutely <laughs> is amazing. Um, he's and, still in the playoffs, and he's a close. He's a close first. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna say he's first, but he's close. Uh, and he is still in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, you are absolutely right. It's over um, ASAP. Stars, Flames. Um, Stars, after a great game today, the Stars lead the series 3-2. to two. Um, James, what do you think of this one? Uh, I think the series is going to end on Thursday here. I think the Stars take it. Initially, oh, wow. I had them going to 7. Uh, but after I've seen them play, uh, I'm going to say 6. Um, I think they've knocked, knocked off all the rust from the Red Robin play. Yeah. Because that Red Robin looked terrible mm-hmm. coming into this series, they've started, they've gotten better over time. Yeah. Uh, the biggest they've straight up outshot the Flames. They had two forty nine to one eighty five shots over that. Right. And the biggest question mark going into this was the goaltending. Uh, during the season, they had a point nine two save percentage, and during the playoffs up until this game, they had a point eight nine six save percentage. But today, I think Kudobin he's going to regress to the norm. He's a solid goaltender. And after today, just figured it out, and they, he bought it back up to point zero or point nine zero two. So once they've got that figured out, I think it all just falls into place, and I think the Stars will take it in six. Um, I agree. Um, today, Flames gave up their lead to someone that we know very well, Joe Pavelski. Um, Radulov finished off the comeback today. Um, look, the Flames are emotional. Um, they're cheap. Um, Kachuk is out of the lineup due to injury, and he's a big loss, even though he's a legit clown. Um, this series has been decided by one goal games in three of the four games. Um, I will say this series is tight because there is little, such little room for error in terms of those one goal games. So I could see this maybe going to seven, but the, I'm pretty sure the flames have a campfire in the box because that's all they are. That's all they fucking do. They're always in the box and it's going to eventually bite them in their hairy asses and they're going to be fucking done. Um, so yeah, I think that six six games is is a pretty good uh, is a pretty good yeah, guess. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised if they go to seven. And finally, in my opinion, the most intriguing series of the West: um, Canucks versus the Blues. This the Blues tied the series two two in their in their uh, overtime thriller. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I was about to say that right before you. I think this is the most exciting series of, of round one so far. There have been two OT games. Um, I believe that we picked the Canucks to win in six as a kind of consensus. Except me. I'm a little, wor- I'm a little worried about that now. <laughs> it looked real good for the first two games. Um, my problem is the goal scoring for the Canucks has gone down for each game. So they went 5-3-2-1. They're not scoring as efficiently. Um, they've lo- they won that OT game. This could easily be a 3-1 series. Um, in favor of St. Louis. Uh, on the crazy side, these teams are actually, you know, I think a lot of people think, okay, the Blues, they won the Cup last year. They should destroy the Canucks. Their regular seasons were not really that far off. Um, on the power play percentage, the Blues are number three, the Canucks are number four. On the penalty kill, they were half a percentage off. They were very, very similar teams. Um, obviously, the Blues have a lot of players that won a cup because they just won last year. The Canucks have a bunch of players that came from the Kings that won a fucking cup. Uh, 
Bo Hovart is playing out of his mind. He leads the playoffs in goals right now. Quinn Hughes is tied with the most um, assists for the league right now. The Canucks feel like they should be winning this series, and they're not. Um, I think it all comes down to who wins game five. Whichever team wins game five is going to win this series. Because we picked the Canucks, I'm going to stick with them because I'm going to stick with my picks. Um, but this one is tough. I could see it going seven. Uh, another big shot for the Blues. Tarasenko was out. Um, he had a shoulder injury all year. Something he got it got aggravated. He's out of the bubble. So at minimum, he's missing the rest of this first round series. That's a big hit. Um, Tarasenko is probably the best player overall on that Blues team, at least the most offensive-minded right. player on that Blues side. Um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly might be the most complete player. Oh, yeah. um, he's up for a Selkie, I believe. Um, God, dude, fuck. This one's tough, but I, I'm going to stick with the Canucks. But I think, you know, if you're a hockey fan, this is the series that you should be focusing on for the rest of round one. You're absolutely right. And here's, here's what I'll have to say. Dun, 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 dun. The Blues have entered the bubble, ladies and gentlemen. It took a while for them to figure out their game, but they have arrived. And I'm going to use a little bit of a metaphor for the Canucks. I might be a little bit of an asshole here, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it anyway. The playoffs are like a classroom for these young players, you know. But there's not much forgiveness when it comes to the classroom. Um, it, it's I, I think that it's hard. I think they're the Canucks are learning that it's hard to win in the NHL and the playoffs. Newsflash. Um, Classroom president Ryan O'Reilly has entered the room with his boys, David Perron and Jaden Schwartz, and took over game four. They badly outplayed um, Pedersen, Besser, and the Miller line. And those two, those three know how to get it done. I think that Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, he, he may not win the Selkie this year, but the, the, if he continues this, he's going to win another Conn Smythe if they go all the way through. Um, I mean, for two of these, two of those guys on the Canucks, they've never played. This is their first playoff series, so they have a lot to learn. I will say this: I think that they're going to take their lickings to this year. Um, I think that I think you're absolutely right. Game five is going to be more or less the deciding one. Um, although I do see the Blues finishing this out, but with that said, the Canucks are going to be are going to learn a lot from this. They're going to come back and be a team that everybody should be freaking worried about because they are a damn good team. They're a damn good hockey team. Um, this would be a killer game seven if they made it that far. Um, I just, I just think that the the Blues are just going to finish it up, and um, and hopefully I'm right because I'm the only one who thought that. Um, that is it for the hockey. Um, by next week, we're going to know who's in the um, division, or I'm sorry, the semifinals. So we'll 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 give you guys that those breakdowns next week. Yep, uh, they grow up so fast those hockey playoffs uh they are going really fucking fast but when we come back our last but not least segment will be tyler talking more baseball last but not least oh damn it's tyler with baseball oh damn all right, week four, boys. We're approaching halfway through the Major League season, which is crazy because I feel like it just started. Um, so I'm going to go through my top five O'Dams of the week. Um, starting off at number five, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Boston Red Sox and how much they're struggling, especially on the pitching side of things. 
Uh, as of August 17th, they're six and 16, nine and a half games in last place, the worst record in the American League. Uh, their starting pitching ERA is 6.87. That is, and they have the worst team ERA in baseball at 6.87. Uh, they are they have tied the major league record using 11, 11 starting pitchers in their first 22 games. Um, during the seven game losing streak that they're currently on, as of August 17th, they've allowed 10 and a half runs per game, and they are allowing an opponent batting average of 357, allowing 13 home runs. They just got swept by the New York Yankees in four games. The Yankees have won 10 straight games against the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so the Red Sox are not in a good spot right now. Um, I definitely didn't think that they were going to be a, a postseason team this year, but I definitely didn't think that the struggles were going to be this bad. Obviously, with the in with injury to Chris Sale, and they lost David Price to a trade of the Dodgers. Um, they've had a lot of losses on the pitching side of thing on the pitching side of things, but I mean, this is pretty rough. So, trade, and I want to ask you, as a coach, going oh going through team struggles like this, when when your team is like just going through a rough patch like this, what do you say to your team? to try and get them back on track? You know, that uh, if I knew that answer, I think that Chapman Hockey would have a winning se season. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. Sometimes with, with these types of things, you need to sit them down and, and you know, work on, work on the things that you need to work on, the, some of the small things, do that, you know, do the whole, the whole gamut. I, at some point, these are professional athletes. They need to figure it out. I mean, I mean at some point, you, you, the, the onus is on them. I mean, the coach can only do so much. Um, he can't play the games, so he has to mo motivate in best in best way he can. But at the end of the day, if 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 the players aren't ready to put in the work and figure it out themselves, they're, they're, what else can they do? Um, I, I would say that you sit him down. Okay, boys, you know, fit, you know, um, erase what just happened. We're, erase the last, you know. X amount of games, X amount of plays, whatever it may be. We're starting fresh. Um, maybe uh, I'm not sure. I don't know how baseball works. I don't know if you kind of, um, you know, rustle up the roster a little bit. I don't know how things, how things work in, in that, but I would say you, um, you might make a change on some kind of lineup, uh, bring a spark to the team. But at the end of the day, they got to figure it out themselves. Yeah. Obviously the, the Yankees dominating this Boston Red Sox Yankees rivalry is not good baseball to watch. I want the Red Sox to be more competitive. Hopefully they can figure out their pitching side of things and later in the season, maybe play some spoiler. Um, we'll see what happens. So hopefully the Red Sox figured that, that their pitching side of things out offensively, they're doing pretty well. They're averaging about five runs per game. So they're not too bad on offense. Um, but moving on to my number four, Oh damn, my defensive play of the week from the angels shortstop, David Fletcher, giving some love to the angels over here um, on in the fourth inning of Saturday night's game against Los Angeles Dodgers, Mookie Betts hit a hard ground ball to David Fletcher's right. He makes a backhanded catch on the run, jumps and makes a perfect throw to nab Betts out by a hair. They reviewed the play. Um, there wasn't enough to overturn the call. I mean, this is, this is one of the best defensive plays I've seen this season from an, from an infielder. Um, if you haven't seen the video, hopefully we'll get it on our TLDR uh, social media at some point, just so you guys can see the play. I mean, amazing feat of, of, of athleticism. Mookie Betts is one of the best runners in baseball. So to, to nab that guy out on a, on a play like that is unbelievable. Um, Eric, what do you think is the most impressive type of play to see in sports? Uh, well, they should have won that game first off. That was <laughs> fucked. But um, 
The most impressive play in sports, you're asking me? Yeah. I would say it would be a hole-in-one in golf. <laughs> of course you said that. On a par five. On a par five, yeah. I don't think that's ever happened. Or on a DeChambeau par four would be a hole-in-one. But, yeah, that play, I was watching that live. That was a sick play. I think the Angels got the benefit of the doubt because it was called out right away. So, like you said, there wasn't enough to overturn it. Um, but that's what Fletcher does for the Angels. That's his probably his highest quality is the defensive side of things. Uh, getting the pitchers back because we, the pitching isn't quite there for the Angels yet. And uh, that's what he's got to do to keep them in games like that. So I did say, oh, damn, when I saw the play. And I was happy that he threw out your favorite Alex, new favorite Dodger movie bet. Yeah, I, I, I definitely said, oh, oh, damn, as well. That was one hell of a throw. Uh, all right, moving on to number three. Uh, boys, the Miami Marlins and the Baltimore Orioles, as we sit here tonight talking, are in a playoff spot. Fucking crazy, because I, I had him picked last in the division of both their respective divisions. Um, as of today, uh, the – the Marlins are nine and eight. They're second in the National League East, one game back of the of the Atlanta Braves. Granted, they haven't played as many games as everyone else because of the whole COVID situation early on. Um, the Orioles are currently twelve and eleven. They are four games back of the Yankees in the AL East, but they are a wild card team with this expanded playoffs. Um, as far as the Orioles are concerned, they have the third te- best team OPS in baseball. However, they have the twentieth. Uh, best ERA in baseball. So really great hitting, not so great pitching. Marlins are the opposite. Uh, Marlins, they have the seventh best team ERA in baseball. They got a couple of guys stepping up who are kind of third-year guys. Pablo Lopez has a 2.25 ERA through three starts. Hernandez is a 1.84 ERA through three starts. However, their offense is not so great. 24th uh, best op- um, offense in baseball at 6.84. Uh, their two best hitters, Brian Anderson, Jesus Aguilar, both have four home runs apiece. Um, Alex, what team do you think is the bigger surprise here, and do you think either of these teams make the postseason? Uh, the Oriole, Orioles have got to be the biggest surprise. Um, they play in a division, you know, again, like we just talked about, we didn't expect the Red Sox to be this terrible, but we uh, – I mean, the Orioles have been historically awful the last – three years um they're a big surprise especially the offensive side um I don't think either one of them will sustain this you just said they're both literally a game above 500 um uh I still think Tampa has started off slow I there's a I can't imagine the Orioles hold off Tampa for that second spot um in the east um the Mets have been bad the Phillies have been bad uh Braves have gotten a lot of injuries I just don't think the Marlins can hold them off either I know this is kind of like a downer response to your question great story for baseball um Baltimore is one of those baseball um cities that maybe doesn't get enough love um Camden Yards is one of my top spots that I want to hit I've heard Camden is just beautiful I think it's good for baseball when it's not the big boys all the time. Um, if I was going to pick one to squeak in, it's going to be the Orioles. I don't know why. I feel good. The Red Sox are bad. 
the Blue Jays are not as good as we think they are, maybe the Orioles can squeak in in this shortened season. For sure. I'm, I'm going to go the opposite with you. I think the Marlins, I think, might squeak in here, which I think would be hilarious because as a joke, I said for this 2020 season, the short season, as a joke, I said maybe the Marlins make a playoff spot. And I think it would be hilarious if they actually did. Um, so I think I'm going to go on a limb, and I think they make one of those second wild card spots. Um, just because, I mean, we're only halfway through. They're only a game back. I mean, that division, the, the Mets and the Nationals have underperformed so far. Um, they're not doing so hot. It, it, is, it, is, it is very tight. Um, but, fuck it, it's 2020. I think the Marlins will, will, will squeak into a playoff spot. All right, uh, moving on to my number two oh damn moment. Mookie Betts had a three-home run game Thursday night at Dodger Stadium against the San Diego Padres. He became just the third player in Major League history to record a three-home run game six times in a career, joining Sammy Sosa and Johnny Mize. No one has done it seven times. So, James, I want to ask you this question. Does Mookie break the record and, get, and, and does he accomplish his feat seven times? He's, remind you, he's only 27 years old. And second follow-up question to that, would you rather see a three-home run game or a hockey hat trick in person? First part of the question, I think he does. I think Mookie Betts is super, super talented. Is the reason why the Dodgers paid him all that money. He's a damn good baseball player. There's no doubt about it, and I'm not even a Dodgers fan. Um, I want to go with a hockey hat trick in person just so I can throw my hat on the ice. I feel like that feeling would be amazing just to be a part of that, just say I've, I've, I did that. Do you get your hat back if you throw it back on no. the ice? Like, no. Oh, then, mm, uh, mm, maybe yeah. not. Changing my answer. Go on the other one. I'll yeah. say, would you throw your uh, TLDR hat on the ice? Yeah, man, I have a plethora right now. I have, like, four sitting in my room. So, yeah, sure, why not? All right, right on, man. All right. Hey, I made those. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so moving on, my number one, oh, damn, this has been one of the biggest storylines of this week in baseball. Uh, the Indians, Cleveland Indians drama with their two of their top pitchers, uh, uh, Zach Plezak and Mike Clevenger. Uh, so just for you guys who haven't, uh, doesn't know much about it. I'm going to break it down for you guys. Uh, so Zach Plezak, Mike Clevenger were caught going out to bars in Chicago uh, in August, on August 7th. The, the team quickly learned of Plezak's going out. They sent a car service to go pick him up, be like, you're busted, dude. Drove him back, back, back to Cleveland. Um, however, they did not know of Clevenger's involvement until after the team flew back to Cleveland. So uh, Clevenger was on the team playing, knowing, team playing, knowing that Plezak had already been caught. And he's on the team playing, didn't admit to going out that night. The team's back, flying back to Cleveland. Um, obviously, they eventually found out that both those guys had gone out to a bar and had had dinner with some friends that night. Uh, currently, they're both demoted to the team's alternate site, so they're not on the Major League roster as of today. Neither have tested positive for COVID-19, thankfully. Um, Plezak had posted an Instagram video kind of defending his actions, um, saying that the media had, treating him, had treated him unfairly about the whole situation, making him look like he was evil and you know just a, 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 a bad teammate. Uh, but just so you guys know, uh, teammate Carl Carrasco and the Indians had leukemia. Uh, so cancer guy trying to battle that and their manager, Terry Francona was not with the team for eight days because he was battling a illness, uh, trying to get through that. Um, as far as these two guys, are they important beings? Absolutely. Are please act the force will happen. He's one one with a 1.29 ERA with a 24 to two strikeout to walk ratio in three starts. 
Clevenger was also one and one with a 3.24 ERA. Uh, Clevenger was uh, Alex's pick to win the signing this year for the Indians. Um, the Indians currently have the second best team ERA in baseball, and they are currently uh, 13 and nine, one game back of the Twins in the AL Central. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys each a question about this this whole situation. Trade in. Um, what do you think of Plezak's response? Just kind of defending his actions, this whole thing, and basically making the media making him sound like he was an asshole the whole time. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the guy that you just need to take, you know, to, <laughs> it's your actions. You got to take uh, take responsibility, um, and that doesn't sound like they're that he's doing as such. Um, we expect. We expect politicians to to um, you know appreciate their actions, while sports guys are the same way, as far as I'm concerned. So take responsibility for one spot. Right on, um, Eric. If you're one of these these, these guys' teammates, how do you respond? What do you say to these guys? Like, how are you hurt by their actions? Like, how do you respond to something like that? I think you're uh, a little disappointed in them, but same time i don't know like the true situation like did what's he seen family close family friends that he hasn't seen forever either way it's going off kind of trading you're committed to this team it's a short season he could have they could have tested positive and fucked the whole team over and then again fucked the whole league over so you're, you're disappointed in their actions but you know now that it's over with and thank god that they're negative you move on you try to focus on the season James, if you're in a management position, being the, the, the manager, Terry Francona, or the GM of the Indians, I mean, there's some players threatening to opt out if, they're, if, if these guys are allowed to play. How do you handle these two guys? I don't bring them back up. I'm going to leave them down there. And it hurts for me to say because Clevenger is on my fantasy team, and my fantasy team right now sucks. So I'd like to have them back. But to be honest, like, they don't deserve to be back. Like, you could have really compromised your team. You could have compromised the league, like Eric was saying. And the fact that – the thing that really pissed me off, though, is Clevenger. Because he saw Plesak get in trouble, and he was with him. But he just went on like nothing changed. Like, he did nothing wrong. And, dude, own up to it. Your punishment would have been less probably. But, like, now you got to stay down there. Like, there's no way, man. Like, you have none of the trust of your teammates. They're not going to play defense behind you. It's – stay down there. You may not – yeah, no. Don't come back up. Yeah, that, that, that's a huge decision. Obviously, you can get really complicated in the, in the service time. If they're down there for longer, I think it's the 19 games, um, then they don't have the season counted as a year of service for Major League Baseball, and that can uh, uh, delay their uh, free agent and um, all those kind of things. So they can lose – Clevenger and Plesak lose a lot of money because of this, because of the team choosing to keep them down for as, as punishment or, or whatever. Um, Alex, um, do you think – that this whole situation, having those two guys down there for however long they're going to be down there for, and kind of the whole clubhouse being a little bit torn apart by this whole situation, is this going to hurt the Indians' postseason chances? Uh, if it was a normal baseball season and we only had the 10 teams, um, then I would say yes. But the fact that there's two teams from each division coming into it and the fact that they're in the AL Central – uh, I think they still have a very good chance. Um, if I can change my pick, Shane Bieber is my Cy Young pick because he's <laughs> a fucking monster. Uh, the Clevenger pick is obviously a nightmare right now. Um, kind of, I don't, I don't know 
their offense is good enough. But I mean, I, you know, shout out to whatever episode we talked about um, the picks on, but I had Cleveland winning the AL Central. And that was based off of how good their pitching staff was. Um, but if I kind of following off your previous questions, I would not bring them back up. This is unacceptable. Um, I've talked shit about Lou Williams for doing almost the exact same thing in the, you know, basketball. They shouldn't be come back up. This should be a harsh punishment that I think not the Cleveland Indians should um, bring upon them, but MLB itself as a way to break up people from doing this again. Um, because as we talked about before, you know, NHL is in a bubble, NBA is in a bubble. Baseball is a much more risky situation. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, don't bring them back up. I do think this hurts their chances, but because they're in the AL Central, they're probably still going to make the playoffs. We'll see if they bring them back for the playoffs or kind of what happens. The Cleveland Indians are a whole fucking hot mess right now. Yeah. So real quick, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, baseball has been talking about uh, bringing the bubble for their postseason. Um, I think they've been kind of looking at the NBA and the NHL and how successful the bubble has been for those two sports. Um, just real quick, Alex, since you've kind of been talking about it real quick, do you think realistically this is a thing that the MLB can do? I think it is a thing MLB can do. I think they have to pick the right spot, um, not to be biased, but I do think Southern California might be the best option because they have three stadiums with Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, Padre Stadium pretty close together. I think they should do it if they want to get through the playoffs without more COVID issues. I agree. And then my second honorable mention, a couple unwritten rules being broken. Fernando Tatis oh has been Thank in media a lot lately. Uh, um, Traden, I know you have a lot to say about it. James, you texted me earlier today about it. Um, Fernando Tatis hit two home runs yesterday against the Texas Rangers. The second one was on a 3-0 count when the Padres were up by seven runs. So today, he also stole third base when they were up 6 nothing, which is also another unwritten rule you're not supposed to do. Um, so James first, Traden second. James, are you just like completely just blown away by how stupid these unwritten rules are? And then Traden, like, I kind of want you to follow up on those comments and just how you feel about what these unwritten rules mean. Like, should they be gone? Just fuck them. Is for, I know Tatis and your hero, go for it. Uh, yeah, so unwritten rules should stay unwritten. Reason being is when you write them down, you realize how stupid they actually are. Like these, those <laughs> suck straight up. If like, why are you getting mad at the guy for playing baseball? Like, dude, if it's a three, no count, don't throw it right down the middle. Be yes. a better pitcher, play better defense. This, that was a quote from my boy, Matt from Indiana. Shout out Matt. But I was talking to him about that. And he was saying the exact same thing, man. Like be better at baseball. You're a pro athlete. You got to be competitive. You're getting mad at him for playing, for wanting to be good. Like, no, dude, let, let him, let him play. Yeah. Trading. Yeah, I mean, same freaking thing. I mean, I so my uh, my Tatis jersey's in the mail. Uh, it's very, it's coming very soon, um, dude. I, I love it. I absolutely fucking love it. This is what baseball needs. This is what brings me in. You okay? So these guys are paid to play baseball. They're professional athletes. He probably has bonuses that that are tied to stolen bases or freaking home runs. So the NHL has has the whole gambit. I get it. Let the fucking guy swing. 
Swing for the fences. And actually, I'm very pissed at him because he apologized. He should have apologized just like he should have just said, I apologize for absolutely fucking nothing because he didn't do <laughs> anything. He played hey, fucking baseball. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. He's electrifying. He's exciting. I may, I may be a, a freaking uh, Padres fan now. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, fuck the old guys who think that, that it's, it's old school or whatever. I don't really give a shit. I, I understand it in T-ball or whatever the fuck. Like, you learn to, to be a, a, a sportsman. This is – they're pro athletes. James, you're absolutely right. Don't throw it down the fucking middle, you idiot. Get off the mound – don't it's quit playing if you don't if you can't fucking pitch the bam ball. I'm done. Yeah. Don't throw an unwritten pitch. Don't steal an unwritten base. God, dude, I'm so glad you brought rule. this up, man. Yeah. I'm so glad. All right. First of all, Traden, it's pronounced Tatis. Not titties. And second of all, and second of all, Alex, do you agree with James and Traden with that whole sentiment? One hundred percent, Fernando Tatis possibly is the face of baseball that guy fucking balls good for him swing at the 3-0 pitch throw a better pitch fuck that just fuck it let the kids play hit jacks throw the bat fucking whip that beautiful hair do your thing fernando do your thing 100 percent. he's the home run leader in major league baseball right now he should he deserves if anyone deserves to pimp a home run on 3-0 count it's fernando tatis jr <laughs> All right, uh, Eric, Eric, that's all I got. Take us home, bud. Tyler, thank you once again for the excellent O-Damn baseball moments. Guys, like I said earlier, we're on week nine. We've almost done ten weeks of this fucking thing, uh, and every week has gotten better. Episode eight last week had 118 plays, and it's, uh, that's our newest, highest listen. So we want to thank all of our listeners for all the support all of our followers on Instagram. I can't wait for James to post. Uh, I think, it, what is it, NFC East for my Eagles 4-12 and 12 prediction. I know there's going to be some scumbag Philly fans coming at me. But Not just we want to thank you guys all for your support, for listening. Uh, we got the merch going. Who knows, maybe we'll get some shirts and other things coming out too. The more you guys like us, the more we can do for you. So want to send you off with that. And uh, week 10 on its fucking way. Thanks, guys.